morning, everyone. Oh, that's loud. We are taking a break, not from church, from the uh, Book of Mark. I know it's only been a, a chapter, less than a chapter, but I want to uh, take a break from Mark, and I want to talk to you guys about something that's been dear to my heart, life. What do we learn from life? What can we share with each other? After all, that's what we're here to do, right? Uh, we're a church, a group of people uh, that belong to God. Does that work now? Yes. So let's talk about life and what lessons can we learn? Last week, Dorcas and I, we went to a prayer retreat and um, Pastor Victor asked us to read Genesis chapter 32. It's a story about Jacob leaving his uncle Laban, who didn't like him very much, on his way back to meet with his brother Esau, who didn't like him very much either. And a lot happened in chapter 32. And when I read that passage, there was just so many life lessons that come out only from that one chapter, a few verses. What should we do then? Should we talk about all the bullet points this morning? That may take hours and hours, and I don't think we have that time. And someday, I know you guys wanna go home and hang out with families. I especially love that last point. That's totally, that's something that I learned a long time ago and I chose to do anyways. Take a look at that. What's important to you? What jumps out to you? I, I can send you a copy of the slide if you like. Um, yeah. Okay. And if you guys find anything that you would love more elaboration on and maybe share your experience with us, talk to us. Out of this whole slide, I got to pick three to talk about to make sure we got the sermon this morning. So I pick three, these three, uh, no, no, no Q&A here. Maybe later, Daniel. I love the enthusiasm, but let's, let's chat. Three harsh truths in life that happen to be wonderful too. Lesson number one, let's be honest. Not everyone's going to like you, okay? When you were born, your parents adore you. You're such cute babies. You're wonderful children. And then you start going to school. And then you start meeting people in society. Not everyone's going to like you. Let's face it. That's a fact in life. Some people will just hate you for no reason. Let's talk about that. Lesson number two. You live in multiple realities. I'm ta not talking about Spider-Man with all that universe thinking or Star Trek. You can travel between the multiverse. Every single day we go through life, we got different parameters, we got different things to talk about. That happened in today's passage. What do we do with that? What do we do with the conflicts? Well, let's talk about that. Finally, something or someone will break you. You will be broken at one point or another, 
sometimes multiple times coming from multiple sources, you are gonna feel like you can't breathe. You don't even you wouldn't even know how to breathe in those moments. You wouldn't know what to do with yourself with that situation. And you know what? It's wonderful if it happens to you. We will talk about that. So what happened in Genesis chapter 32? Why is it so rich in life lessons? See, something always breaks. Jacob's journey, as I said, he's traveling on his way back from his uncle to his brother. This is what happened. Do you guys remember why Jacob left home in the first place? Now you can raise your hand. Now, now it's a real question. Okay, Tim. He stole Esau's blessing. What else did he do? He tricked his brother. He tricked his father. Do you guys remember the meaning of the name Jacob? Literal meaning is heel catcher, right? When he was born, he was catching onto his brother's heel. And another meaning for his name is the deceiver. He's a deceiver. He's been tricking and deceiving people most of his life. He burned all the bridges back at home to the point where his brother Esau made a vow to himself. I'm going to catch this punk and I'm going to kill him. So Jacob flee home, travel 500 miles up north to the land of Haran where Laban lives, stay there for about 20 years. What did he do there? He got into a bad relationship. Nobody likes him. He tricked Laban. He tricked Laban's kids to the point where they're like, we're going to get rid of Jacob. This punk, we're going to kill him. We're going to take his stuff. So now he's got to travel another 500 miles back home. Of all the places he can go, why did he go back home? God told him to. That was the land that God promised him. Promised his father and his father's father. So he got to go back to the land of Canaan. At some point in time, I, I know I wasn't going to talk about that, but that's one of the bullets. You got to face your past. The decisions you make. You got to go back and face them. He's got to do that. So he went back on his way home because God told him to of all the places in this whole wide world. He's got to go back to the one place where he knew someone was going to kill him. And this is what happened. Let's read through the first eight verses. Who needs a Bible? There's more in the back. I encourage you to take it out, if, especially if you can read that awful color combination. I don't know why I picked that. Red font on green background. Mental note, <laughs> don't do that again. <laughs> Jacob and Esau. Who, who needs a Bible with your hand? Thank you, Daniel, for passing them out. I'm going to read from e the ESV. Jacob went on his way 
and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. So he called the name of the place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. Imagine the sound of that. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to this. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the paper. Are we still in? Okay. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herd and the camels into two camps, thinking, hmm, if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Truth be told, whenever you meet someone, or maybe someone new, especially someone new, that person immediately put a price tag, a value tag on you. This is what I mean. If you're blessed by God to be aesthetically pleasing, you start off with a pretty high value. You open your mouth, you're funny. Goes a little higher. You share the interest, the same interest, follow the same uh, YouTube personalities. You go to rival schools. Mm. Oh, but you're aesthetically pleasing. It's okay. Come back up again. What do you think Jacob's value tag is before Esau right now? We went 20 years ago. He left stealing Esau's blessings, tricked Esau's dad. Now, after 20 years, he had no idea what's going on. And the first message Esau got from Jacob's servants, are, I got oxen and donkeys and male servants and female servants. What was Jacob thinking? I imagine his value tag, he's probably worth more dead than alive to Esau at this point. Bad strategy, bad communication. That's why I made it to the first slide. Think about how much you're worth uh, to that person. There's two good news out of that. First, whatever I just mentioned, how you convey yourself, how you look, how you dress. Unfortunately, in this world, people will evaluate you based on those things. Even your haircut, you put on makeup or not. You probably have all heard, if you walk into an expensive jewelry store wearing nice clothes, they'll tend to talk to you more, right? If you wear slippers and shorts and tent tops, they'll probably ask you to leave, right? Even though you're your worth exactly the same, but just because of what you wear. Um, your value tag is different. 
Sometimes when, when I walk into a store, the person wouldn't even greet me. And I'm pretty worrying, just the same thing. And I have absolutely no idea why. That person was really friendly to the customer right in front of me. But once I showed up, they, they wouldn't even acknowledge me, and I don't know why. Next time I will ask, I am just curious. So that was the harsh part. Where's the wonderful part in that? You were deeply loved by the one that counts. Let me ask you guys this question. What price tag do you put on yourself? Do you often have a critical voice inside you telling you you're not worth it? That always points to your shortcomings? Do you hear that voices from time to time? Sometimes I do. When you stand in front of the cross, when you see God, What's your price tag in front of God? What's your value, what's the value tag that God put on you? Who, who's a believer in this room? Raise your hand. Yeah, you can believe, you, you believe. Kenny, do you know your value tag? Winfield, uh, Tabitha? Victorine, no, and you're Christine, right? Okay. If you have to write something down, only one thing down this morning, write this down. This is your worth before God the Father. If you're a believer, your worth is exactly His Son, Jesus Christ. It cannot be more. Nothing is worth more than his son, Jesus Christ. When he decided to die on the cross for you, from that, and you chose to believe that, that's the way to God the Father. From that point on, that's exactly your worth. It doesn't matter what happens to you that day. doesn't matter if you wake up with a headache. Doesn't matter if you do well or do bad on the exam. Doesn't matter what happened in school, on the way to school, after school, or work. Your value, your worth never changes. You cannot, nothing is more than the worth of Jesus Christ to God the Father, and you are worth that to Him. Nothing you can do can subtract or add to that. That's your worth. And nothing and no one can take it from you. No matter what happens to you in this life. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to be aesthetically pleasing. You don't have to be funny. You don't have to like 
go to the right school or follow the YouTube personality. It's all done by his son, Jesus Christ. And next time, when you get in the line before checkout, and that person just doesn't like you, or anyone else who doesn't like you, you remember you are deeply loved by the one that really counts. That's the gospel message of the day. And you guys all need to remember that wherever you end up this fall or tomorrow or next week, your worth will not change if you believe. Truth number two. You live in conflicting realities. Let's see from verses 9 to 21. Now Jacob realized he sent a stupid message to his... Uh, to his brother that did nothing to help with his case. He's scared. In verse 9 we read, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. Mm, really? I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two camps. Wow, from one staff to two camps after 20 years. Verse 11, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers of the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make sure and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. That's his prayer. So Jacob stayed there that night. And from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. Ah, now he's thinking. Now he's got some presents for Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant, Jacob. Hmm, okay, much better message. They are present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the, the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the presence that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the presence passed on ahead of him. And he himself stayed that night in the camp. 
Do you guys notice something in Jacob's prayer? He's walking straight into danger. Perhaps the biggest threat he's ever faced in his life. Why did he do that? God told him so because that was good for him. So these are the two realities that Jacob is dealing with. He's following God, God's promise, something's good. But at the same time, when he does that, he walks straight into a very real threat to his life and his families. Like Jacob, we sometimes, and actually a lot of times, find ourselves living in conflicting realities. And what we learn from this passage this morning, prayer, planning, and perspective can help us navigate those situations. The first thing Jacob did is to pray about this and to just acknowledge that God this plan that you told me is not working. It's outright dangerous. But I am scared. I am distressed. So he's staying in this reality. And then he switched over. But you told me to go. You told me this would be good for me. And you promised the same promise that you to my father and his father. Prayer. Conflicting situations and realities. A lot of times, that's what we go through, what we face. Do you have your version of a conflicting reality is like that? Sometimes we have to choose or even merge. A few weeks ago, Pastor Alex preached here on the stage, talking about putting an uncomfortable place in Oakland. And do you remember why he said? That's when God came alive to him, when he was in those situations. And then the week after, Pastor Jeremy preached. And one of his points is, do not waste the wilderness experience. Same thing. When you're in these situations, something you got to learn. Jacob prayed, but he didn't just stay passive, stay active. He stayed active. He planned his next steps. The first try was a terrible mistake. He ended up having Esau taking 400 men to come and meet him. So let's change strategy. Right? Plans are made to be broken. That's another bullet on the first slide. You all know this. Whenever you... I want to find out which boxer it was. It's either Mike Tyson or someone else. Who said, in terms of boxing, Someone always had a plan until they get the first punch in the face. We always had a plan until something happens and we have to change that plan, right? Jacob had to change his plan. He didn't stay still. 
God just show up. And remember, he just made a camp of angels. But he still, he planned, he changed his strategy accordingly. And sometimes that's, maybe that's just what we got to do. Sometimes it's more than sitting passively, waiting for God to do something. Sometimes it's acting. Be active. Be proactive in planning in what we can do and see how God responds. Perspective will help us navigate. On Friday, I talked to the youth about something similar. Jacob is at a cross point in his life. He's got to choose to stay back. He, remember, at this time, he still has a choice. You always have a choice. You can choose to follow God continuously into that danger, very realistic danger, or you can choose to walk. Who's stopping Jacob from going somewhere else? I haven't seen any scripture evidence that's stopping him from doing that. But he chose, he chose God. Friday night, we talked about this. Do you guys remember what this is called? This line here, dividing two rooms. Who, who was in my group? Kenny. <laughs> Sorry, I keep, keep picking on him today. What's that called? A threshold. It's called a threshold. Jacob was here at that prayer. I got a choice. If I choose to follow God, I am in. If I choose to walk away, my faith is still out. I shared a story of Billy Graham. One night, he was studying the Bible. He has so many questions. Remember, this is the great evangelist who brought millions to Christ. He had a question. He had many, many questions. And that night was his threshold to pick. He had a prayer. God, I have so many questions when I read the scripture. I have no answers to. But from this point on, I choose you. And now he's in. Jacob had a threshold experience. So will you, each and every one of you, going forward in your life. You may have many more like that. You have to choose. You want to stay out where it's comfortable, where things are manageable. We humans, we put enormous value on comfort, on predictability. But that keep us outside of this room, outside of the threshold. And when we choose God, we cross the threshold into something we're not familiar with. And then we start to see God work. You got to choose. And how can we navigate prayer, be active in planning your next steps? And remember the perspective of crossing that threshold into the next stage of your faith. Number three. He did that. Jacob chose God. 
and see what happens. I always crack up when I come to this passage, sorry. The same night, he arose, Jacob, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone by himself. That's what it means to be left alone. And the men wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Pause for a second. I always question why this passage is here. Because if you completely remove it, the, the story will flow just fine. So there's a reason why this happened here. Let's find out why. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, which is right around here, like touched it. And Jacob's hip was put up joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, remember what Jacob the name means? And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed uh, Peniel, which is the, a different name for the same place, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew. Did I say it right? Yeah, okay, thank you. Of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Okay, okay, so let's get this straight. He's walking into danger to his brother with 400 men. Highly likely he might have to run away from the danger. Okay. Okay, okay, so let me just touch your hip and break your socket. So even that option is out of the way. And who is this person that Jacob wrestled with? What do you guys think? No one's thinking. Daniel, do you have a, did you raise your hand? No, okay, never mind. <laughs> Ruby, if you're interested, read uh, Hosea chapter 12, verses uh, 4 to 5. Not right now, later time. Hosea chapter 12, verses 4 to 5. That will give you an idea. As if he wasn't broken enough at this point. As if he didn't have enough to deal with. Now he's got a broken or dislocated hip. Who's had a dislocated hip? Okay, so let me tell you something about it. I, I don't, but I don't, I don't have it. I never had it. So I, I, I just look up OpenGPT and Google it, uh, last night. And the answers collaborate, uh, cooperated with each other. Number one, it's, a, it's not just painful. It's acutely painful. 
Number two, it's not just painful. It's extremely painful. So it's acutely, extremely painful the night before he's about to face the biggest danger in his life. Fun. Number three, it could result in long-term uh, limping. He could never, he might never recover from this. It's possible to cause permanent danger to muscle, nerves around it, and uh, the bone structure, you know, going forward, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. If you're interested, try open GPT. And if you click on the refresh, right, every time it will give you similar but different answers. Pretty cool tool. But the point is, what? Why? Why? And what is Jacob's response after his hip got dislocated? Bless me, bless me, don't go. You gotta bless me or else I won't let you go. All his life, Jacob has been deceiving, tricking to get blessings. He tricked Esau to get his birthright so he will have the firstborn's blessing, right? He tricked his dad, Isaac, so he could get a blessing from Isaac. And now he wouldn't let this guy go. Who did Jacob think he was wrestling? God. Oh, Daniel, go ahead. God, or, or did, he, did he say that? He said that I met God, right? In the later verse, he wanted it, the blessing of the life from God himself. He finally got the blessing that he's always been looking for. The blessing from God at what cost? At what cost? The cost of the ability to run away in the face of danger. So guys and girls, something and someone will break you. That's the harsh part. The wonderful part is you will be, you will be made new by Jesus Christ from that experience. That experience of being broken is not optional. It's necessary for you to cross that threshold. I have so many thoughts right now. I'll share one. For the people in this room, Whoever had experiences like that, being broken, but being made new. I don't just encourage you, I commend you to share that, to share God's work in your life with others, with other believers, how you were made new because you were broken first. 
tend to think back on my uh, conversion point, where I feel like I was in my early 20s, right? and uh, I felt like I was at a place where I worked for one of the largest company in the world at that time. And there's a lot of future ahead of me. I was in the Bay Area. I got a good job. I had a lot of cool friends. I think my, my value tag was pretty high to a lot of people, even to myself. But then one of my uh, past experience from life, uh, from uh, college, made me remain broken at that point. So on the outside, everything is shiny. It's waxy, you know, uh, it looks nice. You flex the light. On the inside, I feel like uh, I was drowning in the ocean and the waves keep coming at me. I got nothing to hang on to. I was just drowning, period. I was totally broken at that point. And I was only 21, 22. And then I heard my very first sermon. I went to a church, heard the very first sermon in First Corinthians. And it was the first time in a long time I saw hope in my life. And the rest is just history. You may go, be going through something like that right now, or you may be going through something like that in the future. But remember, you will be made new. You will be made new. Because how much you're worth to your God, and because you will actively choose God. 20 some odd years ago, by God's grace, He gave me the, uh, the heart and the, the desire to choose Him, to pick Him. So I saw hope, and I saw a new life ahead of me. And this morning, with a sermon, with this passage from Jacob, I encourage you to sing. Doesn't feel right though, without finishing the story. So I'm just going to the next chapter and let you know what happened. You might have already known, but I'll just read it. That's good. Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel, those are his two wives, and the two female servants, and he put the servants, servants with the children in front, Leah with her children, Rachel and Joseph at last. And he himself, he went on before all of them. This deceiver, this trickster, decided to put himself limping in front of his whole family, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. 
and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Happy ending. Jacob, this trickster, this deceiver. His story pretty much ended here. After this point on, we don't read any more about tricking, more deceiving. On this point on, the story transitioned to his children. And next few times, when Jacob showed up in the stories again, he pretty much just follow whatever God told him to do. Change man, new man, different man. You be the judge. Whoever this God that Jacob chose, he has a son, Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, I'm transitioning to a communion now, so I can do the next slide. There's <laughs> a son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, he instituted exactly two sacraments for Christians to follow, baptism and communion. Baptism is a public announcement of our faith. Communion is that and the memory of what Jesus did on the cross for this to be possible. So every month we take time to uh, have communion together. For the folks online, you can join us from the comfort of your home. For the people here, we do it together. Uh, and before we do, I ask you to prepare your hearts. And if you're not baptized yet, please join us in your prayer. Uh, but don't take the communion just yet until you get baptized. For the people who are baptized, um, prepare your hearts now with the help of music. Whenever you're ready, whenever you feel right to partake the gospel in this way, then come on up and get the elements. Mm -hmm.